Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Crypto Market Watch. I'm your host, Mars Frost, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Nick. How's it going? Yeah, good, mate. Good. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> so this week, we're going to talk about predictions. We're going to talk about 2023 predictions. Yeah, so it's a double header for us. We're basically in the same spot. <laughs> Five minutes gets a week later for you, but... Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This one's the Happy New Year. It's a Happy New Year. Yeah, so last episode we did my last year's predictions. This one's, we'll do this year's predictions, 2023. Yeah. So there's a few to get through here. So there is. we're going to just jump into this. And the first one is crypto, not quite nuclear winter. <laughs> not, and this is it. It's So it's crypto winter. There's no doubts about that. I found it quite striking how close to the last cycle it's been, like on fractal levels. <laughs> like there's a cycle, the cycle's a real thing. The same things happen again and again. Yeah. Feels like we're doomed to repeat <laughs> ourselves. We said this before, CBDC type plays always come up during nuclear winter. Yeah. So, and again, same thing happened last time. We talked about this last week or the cbdc episode where everyone gets focused on private blockchains and enterprise solutions and all that sort of stuff and it just it the narrative changes basically so the cycle is it's there's a thing called the gartner hype cycle have you heard of that yeah so it's from like, you <laughs> from me yeah so the, the gartner hype cycle is I'm trying to remember the phase of it now. The first one is technology trigger. Then I think it's basically the next one. It's like it goes vertical, like exponential till the peak, which is the peak of inflated expectations. Yes. And then you get this crash that's lower than the technology trigger. Yes. Which I, is the trough of disillusionment. Yes. I have you know Chris Beniski's book, Crypto Assets. Ah, it's, yeah, it's, it's very about it's, it, it? like well known in tech circles. It's like one of the things. It's like the Rogers diffusion of innovation curve, which is like the And who's the Japanese guy, the futurist the the futurist Japanese guy? There's a few. I think it's Japanese American to be fair. Mikhail Kaku. Yes, him. Yeah. He talks about it a lot as well. Yeah. So it's basically, so if you look at the stock market cheat sheet, which is that one which is like all the way up to euphoria and then despair. Yeah. And then this is a sucker's rally and there's all these different bits in between. Same line shape. It's a peak of like ends in euphoria, everyone, everything ends up overvalued. And then we crash down to a underpriced value based on where the technologies come from. And everyone thinks it's all over. And then you come out. Now, what we've never had is the plateau of productivity, which is the last bit. So this very much happened, I'm pretty sure Gartner, which are basically just like consultancy outfit yep. for technology, basically. They're just like, their job is to understand technology. And you ring them up and say, <laughs> I need some technology knowledge. And they charge you five grand an hour or something. And... They, yeah, they distilled this cycle into a thing. So the cycles are a real thing, right? They go through this thing. Certainly with crypto, when you've got the full market price at all times of everything, you have this much more live cycle. So it happens much quicker. So it's like 
we, we have these hype cycles over and over again. And the somewhat disappointing conclusion for many is that when we crack it, we get the plateau of productivity, where it just grinds upwards like a 45-degree angle for forevermore. Yeah. <laughs> it just keeps going until the next technology comes in and has a hype cycle. And these things happen everywhere. So these cycle of things are real. But in crypto, it's like we're at the it's all a scam moment. So I distinctly remember in 2018 where, like I had a tweet this week, which was by like some woman had a viral tweet was saying, on your first date, you should bring up astrology. Yeah, I saw this. Because not as a test of compatibility, but to see how tolerant the other party is of utter bullshit. And that's a good sign of whether he's a long-term mate or not or whatever. So I wrote a snarky sort of one back and said you should bring up blockchain consensus mechanisms on your first date <laughs> because that's a good not a test of compatibility but as someone is willing test. to tolerate extremely niche interests <laughs> and are willing to support your long-term goals but i actually did this i did was actually talking about blockchain consensus mechanisms on my first date with my now wife hypnotized she was like oh he's interested in something this is good you know what i mean so yeah, she's the type of person who finds someone's deep interest in something bullish rather than bearish. It's cute. <laughs> it's been on my mind. <laughs> I actually met her at the top of the last crypto bear market. I brought it up because I was just obsessed on it. There is no filter on my crypto chat. <laughs> Any context, that's all I talk about. That's it. Yeah. I've been there all through the last bear market. And most of the time, people would say, isn't that all a scam for a year? Oh, you're a scammer. (laughs) (laughs) And we're there again. That's it. It's, I remember this. We're here again. Yeah. And that went on for about a year. And, but crypto, like crypto nuclear winter is when it's super bad. It's like really bad. Crypto people because we've had crypto winter that was like last time right when everyone thinks you're a scammer for a year and then everyone thinks you're a genius for a year and then everyone thinks you're a scammer (laughs) but yeah it's a cycle it's it and now so I've said not quite nuclear winter I think it's going to be grim for about eighteen months I think but there's a higher base of people who are not going anywhere this time. So the really the bottom of the bear market last time, I could barely find people to talk about crypto with. <laughs> I had to hunt for them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it goes down to, I'm in London. I'm not in a small city. I'd go to the crypto meetups and be like, oh, hello again. It gets down to like suits who are there from... Feds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just gets down to just feds at the end. But yeah, yeah, basically. People who work for like JP Morgan in Canary Wharf are there to talk about Ripple or something. <laughs> it gets that depressing. So that's nuclear winter, right? It gets down to the feds talking about Ripple. And not quite this time. Yeah. Because too much has happened. Yeah, we've built too much now. Built too much, but also there's too many normies in. I've met a lot of shilled normies who are in. They don't know why. But they're in. They can think there's something about crypto which you don't understand it necessarily. Yeah. And 
you don't necessarily get all the potential ways you could play out. Yeah. But that you just recognize within it, there is something which is going to fundamentally change humanity. Yeah. I, there's a instinct. Yeah. That many new people have. Yeah. That don't get why. Yeah. But they go, oh, I can sense this is going to, this is really going to mess things up. This is going to be, this is going to be big. You don't need to know the technical details to get the vibe. 100%. And that there's been too much of that. Yeah. So it can't quite be nuclear winter. It's become mimetic. Mimetic. Yeah. It has mimetic value now. Yeah. And larger you find that floor, basically. Yeah. So how bad does the winter get? You, you can't, re- the only thing that anyone wants to care about is how long is the bear market going to be? Are we going to go lower? So my, and this is not financial advice. NFA people. No, it's not. Don't ever think it is. I'm not a financial advisor. I just have an interest in magic internet money. A good strategy now is to like buy some crypto that's a sting, right? It's, oh, this is a, ooh, it's like buying a new couch or something. Do you know what I mean? What, whatever the thing is that's a sting for you. Put it into crypto. Not shit coins, just like Bitcoin or Ethereum, right? Half and half or whatever. And then if it goes down 50% again, double the sting. And then if it goes down 50% again, double it again. And you will be lucky if it hits level three. Yeah. Because you might make it. Yeah, I, and that thinking is what means the nuclear winter can't happen yeah. because I definitely ain't the only person who's got that investment strategy. Same, yeah. and it's and the bottom comes when everyone's doubled down and there's no one else to double down. That's it. <laughs> Look, there's too many people who are buying the dip. Yeah, and Ethereum right now is valued at about seventy percent the market cap of McDonald's. McDonald's, admittedly, everywhere. It's a good benchmark because it's one of the biggest companies in the world, but it's what it is. It shifts hamburgers well, everywhere. It's a property company. It doesn't, you get what it is. There's a model of McDonald's. It's a franchise. Everyone sells the same shit everywhere you go. That's the point. Well, that's and a they've got a decent like portfolio of like real estate backing that's what I mean. them. It's yeah. a property company. Yeah, I'd buy McDonald's, frankly. But do I think... Ethereum is valued more than McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> like big style. Like McDonald's, the asset that I buy from free trade or whatever sort of normie access point I can get stocks. Does it have sustainable Ponzi-nomics? Does it have a direct impact on the amount of people who eat burgers? No. Is it the future of finance and social coordination? No. It's a thing that people might go, should probably stop eating this, I might die (laughs) at some point in the future. And everyone just goes, actually, no, I'm just eating grass from now on or whatever. Just like everyone just gets super into not eating burgers. Whereas Ethereum just feels like an endless like value capture layer for the future of human coordination. So I'm very bullish on it. So yeah, I'm like... As much money as I get in, I'm going to be putting some of it into Ethereum. And Bitcoin. I don't hold much of this stuff at the moment because I've just had to sell it to pay the rent and stuff. But my goal will always be to hold as much of it as possible. And there's enough people like me now to for, it, for us to not have a 
really got a bear market where we sweep lows that we did four years ago or whatever. From a personally selfish perspective, I'd, I'd love us to get there again. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's to the point. In. It's like, shall we just start? Like, I, I jokingly put anti-crypto arc on my thing because... I was thinking I really want to FUD this stuff to zero as much as possible so I can buy the dip. <laughs> but I don't have any money, so you can't do it. But yeah, so we've, we're only at point one of this prediction thing, but I think it's worth setting the context, yep. right? The way I see the next year playing out is it's crypto winter. It's going to be sideways. It's going to be down. It's going to be depressing. It's going to be known. If it, it does feel like it's following the last cycle to the book, so far, it's mapped the exact experience of the whole thing. Somewhere in the middle of this, we have this really grim sell-off. If you've been like DCAing in for six or eight months or a year or something, it halves in value again. And that's why the, when it halves in value, double, double down. So yeah, it's that's just me. That's what I'm doing. Don't do it. Maximum couch level investments. That's all I could ever even re- close to endorse but yeah it's going to be grim the next year i'm looking forward to it yeah, <laughs> yeah it's going to be a cold one that's for sure like bear markets though this is the thing this is like my favorite time of crypto 100 percent. i hated the bull run so much it just infuriated me yeah it's too stupid yeah it's just too stupid it's just euphoria but it does get so bad you're just talking to feds who are interested in Ripple. <laughs> you don't want it to get that bad. So the next point was Web3 strategies. Web3 strategies. I met a lad the other night at the crypto club in London who was doing the Web3 strategy for Selfridges, where my wife works. And it's a beautiful place. It's, it is probably... There's the Harrods and Selfridges that are like the department stores... And they're two of the best in the world, right? They're like, if you want to buy posh stuff, <laughs> that is where you go. That is right? where you go. I was like, ah, they've got a Web3 strategy. Like, I already got a sense that basically everyone had a Web3 strategy. Yeah. But everyone. Yeah. I, I, like, every major brand. All Like, some, there's IHOP have done, like, pancake coins. And I love that. IHOP. Don't bang on IHOP. <laughs> no, mate, there's, like, I went there... When I was in Miami last, I was like, oh, this is like just every anything you could possibly want at all times. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> I want pancakes and a Bloody Mary. <laughs> like, amazing. So, pancake coins, obviously, Americans love a bit of that. Earn your pancake coins, like farm pancake coins and get what free pancakes bans happen, right? But everyone's doing it. So, bear market, but every major brand in the world. Prepping has a web three strategy the lad i met was a lovely young lad who was very smart and impressive and just a generally nice chap and i was dead bullish on it i thought he's going to come up with a great idea for them and i suspect every major brand has headhunted some young web three pilled kid who's going to help them do some stuff and so we're going to see a lot of that yeah, I agree. It's inevitable. Which is why it's not nuclear winter. Because yes. when you've... That wasn't there last time. Yeah. I can tell you. There was n- no one give a shit. Let alone Selfridges. If I tried to 
talk crypto and Selfridges 2018, they would have thrown me out. <laughs> like, Definitely. Yeah. It's like... Blue bus. Yeah. Yeah. And the next one was regulation season. Regulation season. It's upon us. It's upon us. And there was a regulation season last time. Dead the same. All conversation talks to... Just basically, all we talk about is regulations for the bear market, basically. And it's because they're the whole cycle behind everyone, right? So a load of new stuff comes out. So they've not had anything. In the last wave of last regulation season, there was no talk of yield farming or staking or any of that stuff. This didn't get it and or it didn't exist. So basically, we have this wave of the money drives the innovation, right? So when there's a bull run, every coder in the world learns Solidity or Rust because they want to get into Solana or whatever. And there's just a load more work gets done, right? And therefore, new things happen. And then it all pops. And then the, they go, shit, what just happened? And then they talk about it for a bit, put it into laws and regulations and say, if you do this, then... So basically, what regulations are is do it this way, right? So they're not not necessarily like pro... They're not prohibition, necessarily. Prohibition is like, don't do yield farming. Yeah. It's you're not allowed to do that funny token game stuff ever again. Don't ever do it. And they can't go to that because they can't stop it. So if they go, don't do any of that funny yield farming stuff again, like the amount of yield farming stuff will go down like 4%. <laughs> and just mad Ponzi-nomics, like frenzy shit will keep going on and chugging along. And them saying, don't do it, didn't stop anything. And that's the ultimate risk for all regulation because... You show how powerless you are. Yeah. Or powerful you are, depending on what you do about it. So it's a serious game. It's do it. Now, regulations are, if you're going to do it and do it in our jurisdiction, then do it this way. We expect you to behave like this. Now, objectively, some of that is a good idea, especially when it comes to centralized venues. And... 99% of the regulatory conversation should be on centralised venues for the time being until that stuff's reformed because they have no idea how to regulate DeFi to the point where it will mitigate risk because they don't understand the workflow at all. Because the majority of the risk comes from hacks, right? It comes from flaws in smart contract code. But then, all right, what are you going to do? mandate audits who does the audits and how are you able to you need to understand the code to be able to mandate what you're mandating so they can't regulate it It, do you know what it just when you said that it just made me think it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to and this is going to sound really dystopian they tried to mandate code oh algorithmic governance is essentially that right it's like code is i'm currently teaching my three-year-old daughter code and it's move forward one step. It's it's routine. It's it, in, information. It's instructions. I've heard regulate like law as the coders of the real world. Yeah, it's code. It's exactly what it is. Hundred percent. Stick to code. 
So the world of code and law are very correlated, actually. It's just one's a little bit more fluffy and subjective and requires right. more discourse resolution. And the digital side is more automated and jewelry. Parameters within a system. Yeah, it's just ruled by what is in the code. There's, it's just... Ex- it's executive all the way through and it doesn't change by deliberation which is actually largely where DAOs might come in yeah where DAOs can add a deliberative dimension to code yeah exactly so the whole law space and the the code space are clashing now some of the law community hate the code space because they realise it's a threat to what they're doing because it's the same game but a little bit different and then there's a decent contingent who are genuinely threatened by the whole thing. They see crypto as a threat to the US dollar. They see crypto and DAOs in particular to be a threat to the LLC and the tax frameworks and all that sort of stuff. So there's generally a lot of people who at least want to stifle a little bit. Let's slow it down a little bit, which might not be a bad idea. Because if it goes at degen speed all the way, then, yeah, more stupid shit will happen. But people will use the FTX thing to really drive the regulatory narrative. Like, just today, Canada have banned all leverage trading. For anyone, even including institutions. Which is insane. That's insane. And then they've said, yeah, and if you're touching crypto, 50% capital gains tax. So there's part of me which just thinks, Go ahead, rule yourselves out, guys. You just go ahead and make yourselves irrelevant. This is what they're not considering. They can, for some reason, considering Canadians to be entirely complicit people who will do whatever they you tell them to. Yeah. Which, judging by the Hong Kong, like truckers thing, ain't the case. You don't have a populace that will just do exactly what you tell them to, and they don't. Frankly, they don't need to because you can go and get leveraged up to your eyeballs in. Dexes, and never tell them and that's just like an entirely new thing and they know that and they don't like that so if you're running some kind of authoritarian game where you're trying to keep your citizens under control and they've got some game that allows them you to, to circumvent your power you're not going to like it so regulation season can go nice or nasty it's already gone nasty i think we're in for the nasty regulation season and dow just got sued today by two plain three plaintiffs one who had 90 bucks in one who had three bucks in one had two bucks in yeah absolutely ridiculous it's literally ridiculous like it's so balls to the wall obviously ridiculous no human would ever sue someone for securities laws putting two dollars into something you buy a scratch card for two dollars so it's utter nonsense it's obviously orchestrated and the fact they're being so brazen and obvious about it like the it's unbelievable, well, they, quite frankly. Obviously, they think we're fair game right now. We are the most oh, vulnerable. Oh, and that, this is it. It, it. This is why it's regulation season. It's because we're weak. Yeah. Doesn't happen in bull runs. Why? Because yeah. everyone's fucking rich. Cashed out, ready to go. Yeah. T- all right, then sue me, mate. I'll, I've got $15 million in my treasury yeah. to get lawyers 
and fight you back. I'm going to make you spend a load of money coming at me. And bear markets are regulation season because everyone's poor. That's a really good prediction. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I think it's definitely coming. So the next one's Binance. And I'm curious to see which way you're going to go on this one. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to talk about Binance a lot. That's my prediction. Aha. Uh -huh. That's my that prediction. Is guaranteed, yes. We're going to talk about Binance a lot because they've moved, like, Sam in his testimony was like, oh, yeah, their market share has gone up by 30% of volume after we've left. And that's why he wanted this to happen. And then he makes the case that CZ rugged him all with a tweet and it's all his fault. And it's, hold on a minute, you had no one's money. Like, he, CZ just blew the lid off your scam. Like, you, you scam, you, the scam was done at this point. You yeah. aped everyone's money into sh shit coins. Even if Illiquid shit not, coins. Like, if, even if CZ hadn't rugged him, he would have eventually outed. You, he just wouldn't have been able to get yeah, through. Yeah, in fact, more people would have got hurt because more people would have put, put more, more money, money into in. the box. Yeah. But the money's still gone. It's not like he would have improved it all, which actually makes that claim, yeah. But anyway, I don't know where I'm going to go with this, actually. At the moment, like today, there is a $6 billion of left Binance. It's up to this point very similar to what happened to FTX. But CZ can point to $65 billion worth of crypto in a wallet and say, that's ours. Where actually, at FTX... They were rugging coins out of DeFi shit everywhere. That's when I knew it was over. I, like I said this in a previous episode, but I was sat with one of DeFi founders on London in the morning watching them take TVL out of the platform because they were desperate. And it was obvious. CZ ain't desperate, not even close. You can say $65 billion there. I can prove it, I've moved it around. Totally different game. He's got Mazars to come in and I, I, sign And he's him. not Sam. He's not a scammer. He's not an idiot. He's been... So he's in for three cycles now. So he knows the game. He just knows crypto. He's like on a different level to Sam. And the narrative will pick up on Binance is because they're going to get big because they are one of the key players. And then there's, there's Asia, Huobi, there's... America Coinbase, there's European Kraken, and then there's Binance, rest of the world. And he's got the rest of the world. And it's going to be largely America versus rest of the world. And he's got a foot in America with Binance US, which is largely the same experience. And yeah, he's, it could be winner takes all. And it's very clear just today... Forbes released this thing this morning and it was like Binance halts USDC withdrawals. Yeah, yeah, USDC. Yeah, and like at the end of the day, when you saw the FTX halts withdrawals headline, it was over. Right, so that headline, halts withdrawals means over. You are rugged, gone to zero. And they dropped that but 15 hours after they'd opened up with USDC withdrawals again. So they halted USDC withdrawals. Now, largely, CZ has off-ramped from 
USDC, U- USDC into what is it, Binance dollars or whatever? BUSD. BUSD. And <clears throat> so he wasn't holding a lot of it. Yeah. And he needed to claim it through the old school banking infrastructure. And people were like trying to take the USDC out because I ain't got any because we tried to get rid of it all. So it made total sense. And they posted this. So they're going to war with him, basically. I think the battle lines have been drawn. Rest of the world versus the US. That's the way it's going to shake out. That's how regulation season's going to go. I don't see how the US are going to win this battle. So actually their governance system is very slow. So MICA has gone through already and is way more progressive than anything than the Americans have done. They've got this, I keep forgetting, it's just some ludicrous acronym. DCP something or other. P-E-N-I-S. Yeah. <laughs> it's some acronym thing that your Sam was involved in lobbying with it. Oh, great. Let's just Yeah, and basically what way. it does is it splits the regulatory reg- regime between the SEC and the CFTC. Yeah. If you've got a utility token, you're on the CFTC side. If you've got a security token, you're on the security token side. Either way, you're screwed. Both sides will prohibit you from doing what you're doing and consequently american kind of balkanizes itself web three yeah as we discussed Um, america like the world is a big place right it's and binance is taking the rest of the world and i think combination regulation season they're going to come for cz they're going to but find it difficult and so we're going to talk about binance a lot the next year interesting the next one was m and a merger and acquisitions yeah so CZ has pulled together a, at least a billion ecosystem, what's he called it? Ecosystem Recovery Fund or something like that, which is a nice way of saying M&A, Merger and Acquisition Fund. A lot of distressed assets. There's a lot of people with treasuries heavily in crypto, ran out of money, got something, got some tech, half built, quarter built, maybe even main net but ran out of money. And this is M&A season. Happens at every level of the space. Same thing happened last time. And CZ in particular is running out a few fronts. So he's doing M&A in the mining world. So M&A happens in the mining world generally. In fact, it's not just generally. It's just like that's a separate type of M&A. So basically you can conceptualize all the Bitcoin miners in a league table of who's got the best cheap energy and who's got the best equipment and they normally get wrecked on their operation for not being able to subsidize it because their energy is too high or whatever but their machines are good so they buy their machines and move them to the places where power is cheap or vice versa right they've got a load of shit machines that they've merged for just acquired the dead mining farm and moved it somewhere in the just shuffling stuff around and there's a couple of companies come in and just do this but this time it's happening with daps and dows and everything a anamoka brands have just raised the two billion fund to do this and it's another kind of centralization that's, it's, that's what i can see yeah it's a centralization yeah it's yeah everyone kind of becomes subsidiaries to the meta thing We're might not necessarily be a bad thing so, so like what animoca are doing then they've got a very tight use case around metaverse and that whole sector 
that almost needs a coordinative structure above it. It needs... So one of my friends... Do ETH the coordinating structure above it? No. In terms of... So at the application layer, so let's say you've got 50 play-to-earn games and no one's got token economics right, but we discover a primitive that works. It would make sense for there to be a coordinative entity that's ultimately got financial interest in the success of all these things to support that. Now, balancing that knowledge sharing with independence and ecosystem diversity and all that sort of stuff, it's going to get very interesting. But I think we'll see a lot of mergers and acquisitions this year. I think we'll see DAOs do it, where they basically, yeah, I think maybe not this year, but in the future we'll see the emanating done by DAOs rather than funds. But we'll that'll be that. interesting. That's, that is a whole new dynamic. So the next one was identity. Obviously, you went on this before. Yeah. So this time, I think it'll be because we've hit the identity thing. Last time I talked about it, it was like people come and find themselves in crypto yes. a little bit, which I think happened. But this time it's all going to get about eyeball scanning. Eyeball scanning. Like, not just that, but there's A, the biometric side of things I'm very skeptical of, but also the pseudon- pseudonymous identity piece. Right. Very big this year. Gitcoin Passport is a very interesting product that allows you to build these attestations across many sometimes centralized things like your Twitter account and your Facebook and your Substack and your, but also your Web3 things like your ENS and your Mirror account and all that sort of stuff. And I think particularly in bear markets, we're going to get more into this incentivized testnet Sibley game where civil protection will become big. So I expect to see identity to be talked about a lot over the next 12 months. And also people get really paranoid about it because they'll see some Web3 use cases and think, ooh, what if a nation state does this? And get scared. Right. Because you only need to abstract it like that. Oh, what they're doing there, that means my nation state could do it and they could rug me at any time. Yeah. And... I think it'll be a big conversation. More homebrew social credit systems installed. Not homebrewed anymore. No. That's true. why I'm okay with the homebrewed ones. Brewed brewed. No, actually, yeah, nation brewed. Yeah. Like state-sponsored social credit systems and what have you. Fun times. Thanks for that one, Nick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the next one was SBTs and NFT governance. Yeah, I think this will be the hot narrative for DAOs next year. I think people have wised up finally to fungible token governance to having extreme frailties actually now they're trying to they're saying oh like that on dow thing i read the the deposition or whatever they call it when someone gets sued yeah and yeah it was almost like this guy's on there because he owns 4.5 percent of the token supply and it's like robert leshner or whatever so holding big chunks of a token supply is going to get bearish for DAOs in the future because they said these eight 
or 14 people. As in the DAO holding large tokens? Or no, individuals, individuals yeah. or entities holding large tokens. Is that supplies. bearish or bullish then for DAOs? Because it's bearish for the DAO holders, but it's bullish for the DAOs in the sense it's going to promote further decentralization. You're going to have to just... Yeah, yeah I mean, I, this is basically what I'm saying. It's Got going you. to move into away from this 12 people hold controlling power through to much more distributed token systems for distributing power yeah. across DAOs. Yeah. Because Compound is genuinely cornered by two dozen people or whatever. Not cornered, it's but they hold controlling stake. Yeah. You can count on a few hands how many people hold the controlling stake. So whereas an NFT governance and SPT governance, you get to have all these pseudonymous actors genuinely control the DAO, but it's not financial. So not financial governance. Yeah. It's non financial governance basically might be a better tag for that but that's where the next era of DAOs is for me very interesting i think obviously sbts are sold band tokens just to give yeah a bit of context to everybody but we've discussed that before there's an episode before if you want to go back to that yeah we can go back to it. just in case you don't know what the hell i'm talking about in, at the moment one coin one vote is the main way everyone does it so if you own five percent of a token supply you get five percent of the vote but where it'll likely move over the next year is to nft governance which is like your identity so i can give you an nft and you have a personality in this system and that determines your governor governance weight not how much money you have there we go perfect so the next one was privacy and zero knowledge yeah i think this will be a big narrative this year is it is it like a, a counter-narrative not to, to regulation or, or opposite the ban hammer? So you've got things coming down hard on crypto. We're going to, you can't you know use I might this. change this one to Luna Punk. Right. There so I think, look, bear markets are when we find out where the real technology is. And actually, as we've recently experienced, a lot of the technologists are working on zero knowledge proofs yeah. and privacy and ways to be able to selectively reveal information to people at the cryptographic layer and as the regulation season happens and it starts to become very obvious that nation state actors have feds in your DAOs, people are going to get a lot more naturally spooked by this because we did there Badum. <laughs> yeah i didn't, didn't even spot that one myself a good one isn't it but maybe that's where the word comes from must be but yeah people are scared by nation state power being in their parties in their if i want to meet up with some friends and talk about like cryptography and like it all of a sudden a fed is there you're not gonna like it are you so i think like quick rabbit hole obviously we went to eat bruno yeah amazing event and I think there's a few things that came out of that. And that was like, privacy is actually a human right. It's part, it's encoded into the universe, right? What's the yeah, quote? I mean, we put posters up there, said the universe believes in encryption, which I believe, which, which is basically like the ability to hide secrets is literally comes out of number theory. It's like the fabric of universe stuff. It's yeah. like the universe believes in us being able to hide secrets and you can take that in all sorts of different philosophical directions. And the Lunapunk thing is basically, it's like a reactionary 
movement to the solar punk thing, which is all about on-chain visibility. Yeah. It's all about, we all believe we're really good people, so we're going to put everything we want on, everything about us on chain. Look at who we are. I'm lovely. Check me out. And Lunar Punks are like, no, that can be used against you. And you're actually being very naive by doing that. And that information will be used against you at some point because what you thought was lovely and solar punky was actually illegal. And you thought you were doing something good for the world, but actually you're a criminal now. And that's largely what's happening. Yeah, it's just true. It's like there's there's lovely people, Web3 hippies, voting in DAOs, who are being criminalized by nation-state power. And that is already evident as of now. So what happens now? We'll see a lunar punk reaction, which is people get a lot more bullish on privacy stuff. They start learning about zero-knowledge proofs, and they start learning about cryptography that is written into the fabric of reality. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. People can hide secrets from you, nation states. Deal with it. There is, you can't take that out of reality. You can't ban it. It's an idea. It's numbers. It's code. It's speech. It's all of these things. And ironically, even, the more that they try to clumsily stomp their way into stopping people doing this stuff, the more that they make the reactionary privacy stuff happen. Yeah. So I think the Lunapunk community will grow radically. I think it's a powerful idea. It's, I can't focus on privacy at the moment because I've just I can imagine myself becoming a real advocate for this in the future. Not the time for it for me. At the moment, I'm all in governance and DAOs and all that sort of stuff. But I met a lot of people who are passionate about it and they were the loveliest people I've ever met in my life. Yeah. Like literally the nicest people ever. So... If anyone tells you people who believe in privacy are bad, no, that's absolute bollocks. <laughs> it's just total bollocks. Yeah. I know that's not the case because I've worked with them and they're actually just lovely nerds. And the next point you made was zombie chains. So zombie chains was a deep bear market phenomenon last time. I think we'll see it again. New L1s that everyone thought was the, the bee's knees. Turns out to be a dead duck and actually no one wants to use it despite the fact it's super easy to use. It's just like, no one cares anymore. It's a gun out of trend, not any, fashionable anymore. In fact, for some reason, everyone thinks it's lame. Any contenders? Could be any. Like okay, people, who do you think will not be one, then? Is that a better question? Ethereum will never not be cool. That's just always the home for smart contract stuff. In fact, all the others have just copied the Ethereum virtual machine, right? So... Of, let's say there's a set of EVM chains, zombie chains, two-thirds of the EVM chains, at least. You can argue many of the, even the top five are zombie chains at the moment already because there's no economic activity on them. So even the likes of Avalanche, which is incredibly hyped in the last cycle, rather dead. 400 bucks worth of NFT volume, dead. And that's with them having a huge NFT campaign and ecosystem grants and everything behind that yeah so it's going to all get about transaction volume where's the activity who's got now now the reality of blockchains is we can take a daily look live look 
at how many people are actually using your blockchain. And in fact, it's very difficult to hide on a blockchain, so you can't even fake it. Right? So it's all... My zombie chains thing here is it's all going to come down to transaction volume. It's like everything's going to come down to how many people doing real stuff on your chain are there. And that's going to be the biggest bull indicator for the next cycle. Yeah, I'm curious to see how this one shakes out. Yeah. So there's prediction markets, which is your next. Prediction markets come around like every three years or something like that. So Is this something to do with the political cycle? This time around, the, you know, one of the federal agencies have said, if anyone uses a prediction market on an election, naughty time. Really? Yeah, yeah, they've said that. I, like, I can't keep up what? with their bullshit. But can't you go to the bookies and use a prediction market to bet who the next president is? I think you can go to a bookies, but, like, you can't. So the prediction, what prediction market allows you to, like, trade on this? It's peer-to-peer. It's peer-to-peer, but it's... It, it makes it a liquid tradable market. Tokens, right? like on FTX, you could trade. Yeah, like no Trump <laughs> is like one of the things that John Jay has custody of at the moment. But yeah, no, I think like prediction markets come around in these very secular things. We built one and yeah, I think they'll get popular again this year. I think people will get excited about them again. Vitalik just wrote an article saying what I'm excited about in Ethereum or something. And one of them was prediction markets. Yeah, it's like the periodic reminder that all the OGs think they're interesting things and they're going to be important. And it's and it's always it's going to always have this underlying thing. People get excited about them, maybe a bit too, and then it'll. And I don't think we've really had the we're excited about the moment yet. Far from it. Far from it. Because yeah, it's like the thing that everyone's waiting to happen that hasn't happened yet. Because if you ask a normie what's a prediction market, they, I don't mean that horribly. It's just that it's still a crypto experiment. It's very niche, yeah. even in crypto, even in crypto. But yeah, come, people get excited about them in bear markets. Yeah, that's so. That's my prediction. So the next one that's on your list is utility. What do you mean? So tokens that actually have utility, like I was expecting people to give a shit more about token economics in the last cycle. It didn't happen at all. And largely, I think this is discovered in the bear market. So tokens that have a rational value. So I have this idea of the utility floor for a token economy, which is how much absolutely rational use there is of the token for what it's meant to do. So if it gives you access to a prediction market, like it does on FVT or whatever, you can look at the volume of use of that token and extrapolate what the turnover of that token in the system is and that price is in the utility floor. Then you can say, what if it has 10,000 users? and build a thesis around that and then discount it to now, right? So you can start to build a rational valuation for a crypto system. So I think there'll be more tokens. I think we'll just start talking about that more, right? I've discounted my expectations of it happening in reality substantially. And I think we'll talk about it and then see some evidence of it 
this year. Tokens with utility, but also NFT utility. Right. When I talk to NFTers, they're like, it's all about utility now. So it's like that holding... Which is interesting because we've gone from yeah, no it's the same thing. It's actually easier to do it with NFTs than it is with fungible tokens. Yeah, definitely. Because fungible tokens requires some like churn in a e- economic system. Turnover. Yeah, it requires like token flow that's rational for people consuming it on a daily basis for yes. some fungible thing. And Hence why you're bursting Ethereum. Yeah, with an NFT, it's I'll give you all the teddy bear. Got a gold teddy bear. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, like in one in a hundred gets a gold teddy bear. Yeah. So yeah, it's much easier with NFTs and so I think there'll largely be a push on it on NFTs that'll make people realise that it should happen in utility tokens. And yeah, I think we'll see some designs. And again, I always bring up the looks rare model, but that genuinely turned over three hundred million dollars worth of pure profit revenue via the token in a no time at all. And when we crack utility tokens, when we crack tokens, they will open up business models that will make everyone FOMO ridiculously because they captured directly the economic bandwidth and adoption of that system. So, yeah, bullish on utility tokens, utility generally. I think the NFT kids will go wild on utility, and, but it means doing stuff. Right, it means there's something real there. There's like adoption. There's a thing, and people are gonna have to work for it. Right. Unfortunately, lads, <laughs> nothing's easy. Yeah. In, in, in a bull run, it's easy because everything goes up regardless goes of what up. it is. Like whether it's a dog token or whatever. And largely, a big part of my failing was concentrating on utility in the ultimately retarded bull run that just happened (laughs) where everyone just it was like on the left side of the bell curve everything that happened let's just say yeah so ultimately mid curved it (laughs) again i think we've yeah we've confessed to a few mid curve i'm a mid curver can i say next one was loyalty yeah so i think we'll start to see some of the web3 vision that was articulated in 2017 a lot of people theorized dApps where there was token-based loyalty systems you're talking so like the prototype for this is like we've had in sub web web one world with like air miles there's been systems for loyalty reward for engaging with a good or all service over time for many years and it just makes absolute sense. This has a token incentive to it at some point. And someone's going to crack this soon. And it's going to go gigaviral. Like, it's a loyalty point that people can use across. That's the thing. Interoperability yeah. of the yeah, loyalty yeah. point. Instead of like, the system. I remember, because I ran a course in the UAE, UAE in Abu Dhabi for many years and I was just on a plane all the time the amount of hours in the air that I did over a few years was insane so racked up loads of points on like Etihad or one of those sort of airlines 
And Emirates. Emirates was the other one. I, I used both, depending if I was going to Dubai or Abu Dhabi. And yeah, I just didn't. I was like, oh, like I looked at this thing. Oh, I can get a bloody Rolex or something amazing. And then looked at it at some other point and I'd just not claimed them on time or something like that. That's a big thing. And yeah, I was rugged basically. So I just give up on them. But yeah, the, this idea of doing this in a web three way with like different caching rewards and loyalty systems on the blockchain, it just feels like a very low hanging fruit. Now everyone's got the web three strategies. Someone's going to do it. It's going to work. They need to understand token economics, like to crack it. But there's enough people out there now. Like I did a token economics thing at DLT hub last week. And there's lo- there's a whole bunch of new kids on the block who give a shit about token economics. It was basically just me <laughs> in London in 2018. And yeah, no, it's great. I think it's going to happen. There's not enough kids like that. So yeah, we just got to survive. Keep going and yeah, yeah, get yeah. more kids. But loyalty. And the next one was membership. Yeah, like I'm part of the. Crypto Club London, Crypto Club Global London branch. The It's an NFT-gated membership club. And I just think it's such an obvious use case of NFTs. Hold this NFT and get in. You are a member. That's it. And, yeah, buy the NFT. And interestingly, these models of, like, lifetime membership, right? So if you hold this you might get access to this thing for like a few years and you might be able to resell it for what you bought it for or more if the club is more popular than it was when you got in. So I think, yeah, membership models, I think this is implicit. DAOs have this membership idea to it. You're buying into a thing. It costs you something to get in, but it's not necessarily a sunk cost, right? You might be able to trade out of it if the club and so you might come into a club participate as a member make the thing better whatever the club is participate to club vibes in whatever way you choose and consequently choose your actions sell your membership pass to someone at 5x that you bought it in the future and that's just such an obvious well it's what happens now yeah. It's the world we live in. It, like, there's membership clubs. Like, membership clubs are like, there, there isn't any in Stoke-on-Trent. <laughs> but there is in I'm London. Just stoked out. <laughs> there's, there's just none. And if they are, they're not the kind of clubs you want to be in. <laughs> and yeah, and but there's a bunch in London, right? Membership clubs, very big thing. And it's a pretty elitist paradigm, but some of them are dead nice. Yeah, no, they I, are. I, I, I don't have any, I have a membership to Crypto Global, obviously, but. Not some of the other ones. I've been in them just because I get invited to them for a meeting or something. And And at the moment, crypto itself is a bit of an elitist thing in a sense of you need to have a certain amount of knowledge to participate. I think basically what I'm predicting here is that people will really lean into this exclusivity piece. And it's already happened in a bunch of NFT communities where... Curation piece or... Yeah, there's been already an existing few NFT communities which are based on this, like it's an exclusive in-club that you're buying into and you get alpha on new NFT launches or something. But I think that just the idea will spread well beyond the purely digital Discordy realm into 
everything else. Golf clubs. There's a few golf clubby ones. No um, doubt. Yeah, and yeah, bound to happen. Yeah. Dynamic NFTs. Yeah, so this is basically like a little bit technical one, but I think people will do data updates based on certain events or whatever. And there was al- there's already been people experimenting with this up to this point where they'll have an NFT that changes into night and day based on whether it's night and day on a clock or whatever. But I just have a feel feeling people having using this metadata to manipulate the art itself and having dynamic PFPs and all that sort of stuff be a thing. So I I brought into NFT project mid to late bull run or something like that. It was relatively cheap. It was like 0.00x Ethereum. Okay. And the whole thing was is that you would basically get this morphing NFT that would update based on your wallet. So based on the NFTs yeah. you hold, yeah. that NFT would morph to reflect the other NFTs. Now, it may well just turn to be a rug pull. Probably will do, right? Yeah. But I really like... Oh, you just the reminded idea me of, of that. One. Crypto Cox. Crypto Cox, yes. Can well, you remember well, that? I sound too Can excited. you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> it was genuinely great. It was like, I mean, it was of a particular niche. It was of a niche. Yeah. We were talking to them about doing their governance for a bit. But yeah, it, it was like variant on how much crypto you had in your wallet As to you, how when you bought big it, your right? crypto yeah. was. So the smaller your wallet. Uh, but there was some great code in it. I like read their smart contracts and thought this is genius actually. And yeah, but that kind of thing, right? Dynamic NFTs. Yeah. That one's more like the NFT state is derived from the minting initial minting state. Yes. What I'm more talking about is people manipulating metadata over time and that changing the NFT state and that giving you different rights or different aesthetics. Well, I was going to say, a lot of the art, in a lot of the generative art, goes along that path, right? There, yes. Fuckrender so, does his thing. Yeah, that not quite generative. Art gobblers did some of this, where you could spend some of your gobble tokens or whatever they were called to create a new NFT, draw some art, and then that had a resale value and stuff. And But generally, I think there's a design of NFTs, which is you mint it and, you, and the metadata is frozen forever. It's immutable. And what's been interesting is that the NFTX NFTs have all disappeared. So if you bought your NFT off FTX, the image is gone because they're not running the servers anymore it's rugged to zero so we spent a huge amount of effort and time decentralizing the whole art serving thing through ipfs and all that sort of stuff which no one cared about no but now they might because they still don't yet they well, will early signs right yeah early signs but so that that's a kind of nft yeah which is you're in full custody of it never changes it is what it is it's the crypto style nft but then I think there'll be a fork of that, which is about dynamic NFTs, where the whole thing changes over time based on action. So I think people running schemes like that, where it's not a self-custody piece of art, but a modifiable, non-fungible object over time. Can we do m- modifiable SBTs? 
Yeah. That's the yeah, game. Yeah, we do then. it already. No, but that's the game then, isn't it? Yeah, and this is why I, I see it as being a thing. So I think there'll be, you have an NFT that you pay some money to upgrade. Yeah. I think there'll be an NFT that you earn reputation on over time and becomes new. Uh, of course, reputation is yeah. modifiable, of course. But yeah. also all sorts of arty stuff where it changes yeah. based on various data points, all that sort of dynamic NFTs generally. No, okay, that's a great shout. 2023, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Return of the Crowd Sale, Fair Launch Edition. Return of the Crowd Sale. Is this, is this like a reworking of ICO? ICO. <laughs> it's an ICO, basically. So it links to my sort of previous prediction piece around people are going to be... So Fair Launches was one of my previous predictions. And I thought people would be so distressed and upset about being dumped on by VCs that they would demand fair launches last year. Didn't happen, but I think it might happen this year. Because, like I say, VCs are going to sell their tokens into the floor over and over again, and it's going to get so egregious that people are going to be upset about it. And further to this, and this might be another one-year-early prediction, but that people will ultimately realise that distribution was the problem. So let's say you've got an option, crowd sale of a 1,000 participants, one ETH each, or one participant at a 1,000 ETH each, which is better for a DAO, which is better for a crypto project. It's obviously the 1,000 participants because it's more decentralised. That, that that person owns 10% of the token supply now and consequently will always have 10% of the influence if those governance, if those tokens are governance tokens. So I think we'll revisit the crowd sale and realise that actually it's a very important component of the space. Yeah, I am curious as to whether this falls into 2023 or 2024 or 2025. Yeah, I mean, like, ultimately, I everyone's going to realise this at some point, yeah. or ideally it's next year. Like a hopeful bias <laughs> to all of my predictions, let's say that. What's the saying? Um, the market can ir remain more irrational than you can remain sovereign. So, yeah, more, yeah. It's and VCs think they're the rational ones. Sorry, the market can remain more irrational. Yeah. Then you can... Uh, and this is a problem for technologists such as myself. If you're basically trying to predict the future. Yeah. So I spend a lot of trying, time trying to predict the future because that's what technology is all about. You're trying to build something that the future wants and then the future wants it. Yeah. And... But there's evidence the what we saw what happened when the VCs were on a whole cycle and everything blows up yeah money gets too concentrated gets hyper PVP between VCs and everyone else just gets minced up in the background while the sort of crypto warlords have it off with each other I think we'll find better crowd crowd sale vehicles technologically now, given what's just happened, like crowd sales, 
are scary things when it comes to crypto regulation. It depends, really, how that shakes out. Like a permissionless crowd sale could end up with Americans in it, and therefore you get the full wrath of Gary. That's it. But I think people will realise you don't just don't let Americans in. Yeah, we discussed this in the last episode. It's like they're just ruling themselves out. And yeah. it's, um, that's totally fine, actually. It's totally right. fine. No Americans in. Yeah. You can validate it. Fine. It seems to be the path. So the next one was rug proofing. Yeah, I think, again, I think we'll have a reactionary move in the cycle against everything that's been bad. Objectively rug pulls with a bad thing that happened again and again and again this is entirely biased by the stuff that we've built but again i've been trying to front run the market on oh, eventually everyone will give a shit about not getting rugged <laughs> so we've built a bunch of rugged proofed technology where actually people won't even buy a token that isn't doesn't follow certain trust standards if someone can rug it at a moment's notice, people won't buy it. So hoping, and people have been rugged a lot. Like the the, the market will want better systems for these things in the future. And so rug proofing, I'm not going to buy this if I'm going to get rugged becomes a thing. So I'll overlay a thought on that, which is a while ago I was thinking about like the doctors have a code of ethics, right? Yes, the Hippocratic Hippocratic Oath. But we don't have that as engineers or creators. There's nothing like that, which is fine. I'm not saying we need to have one. But it does feel like that becomes some sort of natural Hippocratic Oath. There's like a built-in thing. The cryptocratic oath. The cryptocratic oath. (laughs) Or something like that. Breakthrough. Yeah, I try to follow a standard of ethics in the system but not many people do no and even the verbal articulation of is this is the standards that i would like to follow i can see why they do it like that in the medical profession because it's a good decentralized way of making people follow a code right yeah, you get them all reciting at university all the way through. Yeah, it's like, like it's, it's chanting. ingrained. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Chanting is the way to... So what do we chant is a damn good phrasing of good shout that we should do that. I thought, yeah, I just... And then if you breach it, then the DJs have got something to get you on. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a minute. You did this, said you weren't going to. You promised. <laughs> <laughs> exactly no one promises anything that's that's the thing isn't it and largely the reason why they don't promise anything is because promises make you a security yeah that's right so Barring promise squad. anything don't promise you'll do any work because gary might get you <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a horror movie the whole space is underbellied with broken promises because promising anything is against the rules. That's why you become Cardano. Yeah, but... You research the fuck out of things. Cryptopathic oath. Cryptopathic oath would be good. Because at least people say, yeah, I promise to do this. It's not a promise I'm going to pump your bags. It's a promise I'm not going to rug you. 
Yeah. And it at least builds a paradigm about what's expected. I like the idea, honestly. So the next one was DeFi innovation. Yeah, I think one of the workhorses of the space now will be DeFi that will just like move on at a pace that's not degen speed. So certainly through the last cycle, DeFi had a bear market. So people like DeGen Spartan, who's one of the big influencers in the space, it was very clear to point out how DeFi versus ETH, all of the tokens went down during the bull run. And there's been a DeFi bull, like bear market for a year before the bear market. And there's a reason for that in my mind. And it's because it's real. It's like it, everything's going towards its rational value rather than $15 billion buy your trainers and walk for money thing that's valued at $15 billion. Yeah. So there's a rational revenue flow to it. And it's too real for this clown world <laughs> that we live in. And consequently had a bear market in the bull market. Whereas what I think is going to happen is there's enough people who believe, like regardless of market action, that DeFi is one of the key primitives to the whole space. But I think explicitly what my call here is that we'll see we'll see innovation that exceeds the traditional market. Right? So we'll see something that is a financial primitive that does not exist in the real world. There's been many cases of this up to this point. Bitcoin is one. Well, explicitly in DeFi. So I think that we'll see new kinds of derivatives, new, new kinds of financial products that don't exist in TradFi. Yeah. So what we'll see is DeFi innovating beyond TradFi... And it's going to make the I deny this has value thing more difficult. Right. Because all of a sudden, so there's like weird experiments like Squeeth, which is, yeah, it's a very DeFi thing, but it's... I even Squeeth? Forget. Yeah. What I, a name. Yeah, it's like a kind of... I'm trying to remember what it is now, but it's I've not used it myself, but it's a way to like short ETH build derivative product i'm looking at that and thinking this is definitely a DeFi only thing yeah because you could do multiple things at the same time which is part of the thing right yeah new funding paradigm for derivatives and options and all that sort of stuff and that's going to continue so we will see things use the crypto paradigm to innovate on structured financial products in ways that exceed the innovation that happens in the TradFi world at a rate of knots, and that'll become obvious this year. Yeah. So that's that prediction. Yeah, I think it's... I'd have to... I suppose DeFi is still really scary for a lot of people. It just doesn't make terrible amounts of sense and is like mind-bending in complexity it's super weird and yeah. i don't understand squeeze and i've tried a few times <laughs> it's like i've tried i've read the docs and i've just got i don't get it and it's it's difficult genuinely 
difficult. It's and that's what innovation looks like. Even innovators don't get it. Yeah. Because it's too yep. weird, it's too new. And but even so there's five hundred million dollars in it or something. We'll see DeFi push things that isn't happening in the financial world and people are going to have to start taking it seriously. So I think, again, it'll play a role in the regulatory piece. I think people will be forced to say, actually, this has value. Now, the next one I've got is CBDCs, which is the same thing. But it's more... Okay, so for me, it's actually, it's different in the sense that DeFi is bottom-up innovation. It's CBDC, permissionless. Yeah, CBDCs are top-down. Yes, and I think the reason why the two are linked is because the reason why CBDCs on here is because I think it's the thing that people will be talking about possibly the most throughout the entire next year when it comes to crypto. So we're in a bear market, so people aren't talking about monkey JPEGs and Snoop Dogg performing it, whatever. Nick is dancing in the studio right now. So. <laughs> I'm like, going to do my Snoop Dogg whatever moves. But yeah, like that isn't going to be what we're talking about. It's going to be regulation season. It's going to be central banks saying, yes, we're using the technology for this. And... Like I said last week, the European Central Bank saying that this is irrelevant at the same time as reforming all of their technology with the technology that they're saying irrelevant. I think it's absurd that they're saying that this is not an innovative paradigm, but I think the evidence for that is going to keep building over the next couple of years because we're finding ways to do the financial services in a more transparent and decentralised way. There's one of the things that the guys at the Congress meeting for FTX said last night where he was like, how do we know no one's sharing their right accounting? Especially these Chinese companies we've done loads of deals with. How do we know they're not being truthful? The answer is they don't. They, they, they just don't. And DeFi provides a level of transparency around financial systems that I think people will start to get in the real world. Yep. Yeah, DeFi innovation. And then moving on from that, CBDCs, I think that's all we're going to be talking about for the next year. I think it's going to be a major narrative I know the UK government in particular are producing their output next year, which is like their stance on CBDCs this year, which if it comes with a design means they're going to deploy it soon because they've got a proposal and they're seeking approval at some level. Like for me, it should go to a referendum. Should we launch Bitcoin? And... God. No. I agree with you, but we've already learned that we don't really do referendum that well. I don't so know. We're, not like, a the, the, we're just not a direct democracy country. We're just actually, not. I think the Brexit vote being right in the middle perfectly explains 
the consensus around the issue at that time. Right? It's like we that was what we thought. And actually, we're still divided on it since because of that. Now, perhaps we should have used a super majority to make sure we really wanted to do it. But the effort of the referendum is so high, the super majority doesn't really work because you need to run it two, three times if you're going for super majority, which means we need to be, it, be able to run referenda cheaper. Right. Right. We're not set up for it. We can be. We can, dude. I'm here. We make voting technology. This is what we do. So but like, it could be done, and it, we know it could be done. But yeah, I think if CBD, like my dream policy scenario with CBDCs, before we make any retail version, I'm totally happy with the central banks to do a non-retail CBDC reform all of their rails and stuff with blockchains great do it go all in don't need my permission for that out of my scope anyway do all your settlement with blockchain and cryptocurrency i'm all in on that i'll help you do it but as soon as you're giving it to every human in the country different game that's a referendum decision for me yeah, I agree, but... I think this is the year we'll talk about them. Because is, yeah, a lot more dialogue to happen. <clears throat> so, again, that's the prediction, is what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. CBDCs. I think India have already shipped theirs. There's another uh, one the other day as well that I saw. Yeah, I think this is the year when people are going to start shipping them. I want to say Dominican Republic. What might happen this year is that we go, hold on, we're a bit late to the party, aren't we? All these people have got a CBDC and we haven't got one. Why are we dragging our heels? And it really depends on the design. And as we discussed, which is pretty poor. Yeah, it depends how much central control is involved on everyone's money and if you're going to phase out cash. So, yeah, I think CBDC is going to be a really big narrative this year. And I hope we put up a good fight against them, at least demand a referendum for it. My idea would be we never have them. Or have something... I, look, we needed digital money at some point, right? I wouldn't even be averse to a programmatic one. But the governance around it, for it to be truly a public money, would have to be leagues ahead of what we have now. Singapore. They just announced their pilot. Ah, yeah, Again, authoritarian. The authoritarian, yeah, you use this, and everyone goes, okay, then. Yeah. And I just hope the UK goes, what is this? Why you want us to do this? Are you going to try and get rid of cash? Are you going to turn this into a digital gulag? Ask some serious democratic questions, as we should do. My only, just on the UK, just super quickly, my only hope is the House of Lords. Because they just give me some old geezers falling asleep on the front bench, drinking scotch, who's not going to vote on time because he didn't get out of his chair. You see, you're giving the bull case of the House of Lords, which people want to get rid of. Yeah, but that's the only, like, yeah. check balance we have, is the House of Lords. I see another... There's some good discourse that happens in the House of Lords, I have yeah. to say. I know there's a revolt against that bicameral system we have i get that like hereditary peership get rid if we have a more open like discussion about who the peers are 
I think that's actually relatively, we can have rational conversations around that. Yeah, rather than get rid of it. It's a nice middle ground. Yeah. I like those people trying to abolish it because it sets the parameters for no, who I should think, be on it. I think the existing system needs to, like, get, get yeah. rid. But Plus, I if we do... keep it, I might be a crypto lord. Yes. <laughs> Which is like, think of crypto lad. Yeah, a crypto lord. <laughs> That's on the bucket list now. That's a good one. Yeah. Where were we? We're on the last one. Yeah, so we are up to... The year of the Dow again is back. So this is on my prediction list every year from now on. Nostradamus. <clears throat> it's this is the one one I'm convinced is going to happen at some point. Last year I said I don't think it'd be next year, and it depends. Next year, I couldn't see a path to it. Next year, there was no teams who had the basis to be able to pull off a year of the Dow. Year of the Dow is it all goes viral. That means normies can use it and get what a Dow is and all that sort of stuff. And it might be next year. But that's only because I think we're close. I think depending on the budget we could pick up it could be next year. So I'm explicitly saying, yes, we could start the year of the Dow. <laughs> That's, but I believe we could. I just believe that is true. But I'd need a SAM budget to pull it off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If someone wants to give me a billion dollars, then let's go. So it, I'm going to... Let me let me drop a counter-argument, which I think we've discussed before. Yeah. And I think this is a good time to, to bring it up again. But I remember saying to you that I think it's like... DAO has the potential to stand for decentralized anonymous organization. Yeah. And for it to be year of the DAOs, normies have to not be afraid. So you can't be afraid to go into a vote down This vote. is true. This is true. And th there is an element of being afraid to be in a DAO. Which is where we are now. Thanks to the... Well, I... Look. The average normie isn't reading the blog. For a year of the Dow to happen? The average normie's not going to realise it's not a thing you shouldn't do. I don't know. I disagree with no, this. I, I, like, I, honestly, the, so think about the machinery that's in place to counter the crypto slash Dow. Do you think the average narratives. normie knows about CFTC decisions? They don't know about that, but they know about 30 years in prison. That So the privacy thing, that's why yeah. using a mixer, even that, I think there's, and that's what's most scary about the tornado cash thing, is that you can use that unawares, like, you can go, yeah, I want, I've used crypto for a bunch of stuff, but I don't want everyone to see all my historic transactions. Oh, look, there's an app over here I can use that hides my transactions, and then I can now have my bored ape as a profile picture. 30 years in prison for that guy. Yeah. Does that sound fair? No, of course it's not. And I think that discourse is going to happen. It's like there'll be innocent people who get dragged into geopolitical sanctions. So the reason why the sanctions came in was to sanction Iran. Yeah. It's like we have geopolitical sanction regimes to sanction international criminals and terrorists. We have these people to rug Osama bin Laden from getting his uranium cores to 
build a dirty bomb or whatever. It's not for rugging the average Joe who's set up a bored ape account. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just not what it's for. I agree with that, but there's always creep. <clears throat> and that's where it always comes from. Right? But that's not creep. That's full totalitarianism. So it's One like, man's totalitarianism and another man's creep. Yeah, but like, I, there's got to be a bound of rationality to this, right? Where It does? Yeah, Who, when, when rational, like, exactly? you know, like Chad, like from Miami, who runs a... Um, a yoga studio has made money off loads of middle-aged women and buys a bored ape and wants to keep his privacy. Chad. And then <laughs> Chad, li- literally Chad. And he gets sent to jail for 30 years. No, like, the dude's a total normie. He doesn't know what's going on. And But the strict liability around that law means that actually, yeah, he gets 30 years in jail. And there's no mens rea to it. There's no, no, there's no like intent. There's no, I knew I was doing something wrong. He just used a wrong app on the internet. Yeah. And, and this is the thing, normies will do that. So there's, when the year of the Dow happens, it's because there's a new utility that hits the internet, drives everyone wild. So what does the year of the Dow look like? It's Dow's go viral, viral. Everyone's talking about it. People aren't like, there's, it happened with NFTs this year. It happened with crypto in like 2017. It was the point when our like your cabbies are talking about it and the doormen are talking about it when you walk into bars and stuff like that. And yeah, I think there's that will happen with DAOs. And yeah, I've joined this down. And we're doing this. We've got a 200k treasury. We're gonna do this thing on this date. And everyone's got in one. You know, that that's the year of the Dow. So, again, same as last year, I don't think we've quite got the infrastructure there yet. I think if I had $200 million, it could happen this year. There's other people in the space who, if they had the same budget, I think that would be true as well. And so we're, we're close. We're close. I think we're close. I think we're close. There's infrastructural bits that need to get done. Infrastructures needs infrastructure. We need the infrastructures. Give me fifty million dollars. That's like, <laughs> that's that worked a year ago. If I was from MIT, if I got a degree from MIT instead of Liverpool University, and you didn't sound northern, and that didn't sound like a northern <laughs> savage from the north of England, then yeah, then I might have had a chance. But no, so yeah, it'll it's gonna happen. It's going to happen regardless of the CFT. All right, so the CFTC say you vote in a DAO, you get rugged for this. And it's security. And so the two live cases at the moment, the Uki DAO thing is they were doing a regulated thing, which is leverage trading. Yeah. What if you're a DAO that's not doing leverage trading? No. You're not in the... Non-financial governance, hopefully. Yeah, non-financial governance. You're in no one's layer you know not in gary's yard or anything yeah but you also don't have any money uh you don't have a token economy at least you might have some money to control to the treasury that might be put in by donations and but there'll be a model that fits the risk process or the risk context of the environment that allows DAOs to go viral and i think People will, I think there's a universal on the internet, which is community. 
which is I found a cool group of people I like to hang around with in this chat group, in this environment, in this game, in this thing. Social tokens. Yeah, I, like, just look, it's been a universal since IRC, like dawn of the internet stuff, right? People have found groups in which they congregate. But with DAOs, they get the ability to make decisions and money to spend. And that's going to really go viral. It's got very easy viral potential. And that's when the year of the DAO happens, when we go viral. Now, I know enough about virality to know that could happen at any moment. Right. Which is why it's my prediction that we'll be there every year. Until we're there. <laughs> Until it happens, because one day we go viral and DAOs like, are the thing that everyone's talking about. And there's already evidence of it. There's already the cool kids are already talking about it, et cetera, et cetera. But like <clears throat> when your mum is talking about what's a DAO, what's going on? And when it's on LBC radio and all that sort of stuff. And there's a probability in my mind it could happen next year. Mostly it involves us having shit tons of money and I don't sleep. <laughs> for it to happen. Who needs sleep? Or the Nick equivalent in one of the other DAO projects that's also got the same sort of vision for it. And I don't think that's going to happen. I don't. I think these are bearish on DAOs, despite it being obviously the renaissance for crypto. I just don't think they get it. So it could go either way. My probability of year of the DAO next year is about 15%. 15%. Okay, it's still a percent. Yeah, no, still a chart. Not bad. It's a ten to one odds. Give me two hundred million dollars, and it goes up to. 50. That's the thing, isn't it? It's it is all about the ability to spread the memetic message. Like, how do you make spread awareness? It's got to be a. It can't be a build it when and they will come thing. Yeah. So we saw what happened with Constitution Down. So, ooh, I get it. Moment for that bubble for that thing. And it was very momentary. Gone. There's a bunch of people who got downs very momentarily. And then had a bad experience with it, generally. Same with Assange Dow. Anyone who bought into that whole treasury just got given to Julian Assange. No one made any money on that. There will be downs that happen that have that viral moment, viral pop, and everyone makes money from it. Who bought in at the beginning. And then it will go wild. That's the moment is when we have a constitution doubt that works. Yep. And... Which ironically links back to... Which like, could happen in, like, February next year, in which case, in which case we really don't sleep. <laughs> and like, and <clears throat> that's it. We're all on all the time. No problem. <clears throat> and everyone believes in DAOs, and, like, we were yeah. right all along, and it's go time. Or that happens in 2028 sometime, and we've got wrecked and left the game because we're poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows what the probability of either of those are, but it, yeah, they're both knows? real. Like, in terms of... So, going back to what you said before about the abilities for DAOs to operate functionally, it links back directly to the previous point of the Lunapunk, once again. It's like, the, the, there's like this... In this, there's an inherent need in a DAO for a DAO to be able to operate independently and functionally in a as a, as an org, as an organization in a non-transparent manner, 
but in a manner which is trustworthy and reliable. So if they do make a bid on something, then they are able to meet that yeah. bid. Do you know what I mean? I think... But you don't see the whole treasury anonymous DAOs will be a precursor to private DAOs. I think... The treasury. Yeah, I, even all the treasury stuff, <coughs> I think... I, I think solar punk DAOs will happen before. I think... Oh, there's too much money running at solar punk, yeah. The, the private bit <coughs> will happen as an after effect of everything. So I think that will be a very... Yeah. I think that will be a key pattern. I think there will be a very public on-chain visibility version of everything, and then it will go private. So I don't think we see the first move on anything in the Lunar Punk world. I think that's where it goes to go dark. I think we see the all the innovation ends up down there. We're watching the eclipse. Yeah. It's like you see the thing, people decide whether they like it or not, and if they don't, it goes Lunar Punk. And there's really very real reasons for centralised actors to not like a lot of the things that are happening here. And like I said earlier, I think in regulation season it could go nicely, it could go nasty. And it feels like it's going to go nasty unless something changes in the upper echelons of the American governance system, basically. I think we've seen enough evidence that they're going hard now to give us a good regulatory winter, basically. And regulation scared mo a lot of participants off last time, and I think it could do the same again. But they're playing a dangerous game, honestly, because if they go too hard and then people just go, ah, we can use these tools and not, follow it then it's a bad move for regulators in fact it's a bad move for the nation i was gonna say for the nation i just think look at global hegemonies over a long enough period of time they don't last that long the only ones that last really long are the roman empire it's actually about how far you push your hegemony you just there's a limit to power it was the uh, the grain of sands in the hand yeah thing which is i think really encapsulated beautifully and the tighter you squeeze the more you lose yeah it's just that simple and like we said earlier there's a real effect where the more you say obviously okay things are bad the more people will be attracted to privacy tools to avoid your tyranny yeah because if you're legislating against obviously okay things it's tyranny if you're enacting laws and regulations that protect people at least on the whole but respect that there's these fringe actors who are working on this thing that have good intentions and there's very few regulatory regimes where you can say these guys have got good intentions doing good things we should stop them i can't think of any so yeah, I think Year of the Dow, probably not next year. It But say 15%, I think I'm going to give a percentage each year. One year, I'm going to be like, it's happening. Pump it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. I'm all in. We're going. Year of the Dow. I think we're going to bring this episode to a close. And 
before we do that, Nick, is there anything you wanted to add? Yeah, I, like I think perhaps to summarise the next year, it's about solidifying your belief. Do, are you into this or are you not? Just figure out whether this is for you and then you become one of us, in which case you just stick around forever because you, you're committed to it now. I think it's do you see it for what it is? Yeah, yeah. I'd have decided whether you're in or out. Yeah. And then just, if you're not, just cut it. Just get it out of your life. Cut bait, leave, go <laughs> yeah, fishing. Suffer the bullshit that's yeah. here. If it's not Super for you, stressful. leave. Yeah. Stick around or go is the main advice yeah i think that's pretty strong because it is like the we are on the edge of innovation here yeah and that's in for a lot of people that is stressful to the point of it's too chaotic too wild it's wild yeah but if you can see through that and you can appreciate what the long-term vision is here, what we're building, what we want to build, what the vision is. I think we know what mankind is capable of and what we're able to achieve. We've just been given a whole new set of tools to run at everything with. Absolutely. And we just, if you're in, come grab them by both hands. If you're not. Yeah, now's the time to get in. Now's the time, like Ben Alkett's at the point where this is when you get serious about it. That's it. Because you find out what's really real. So people who are still here are going to be the winners of the next cycle. Yeah. That. Yeah, that's, someone said that on Twitter the other day. It's like, keep an eye on the Twitter accounts that are like hustling because they're going to be the next leaders. Not necessarily even hustling. It's, it's now it's who's doing the real stuff. That that's that was my takeaway from it. It was like, who's actually building? If that, that's the summary. This is when we find out what's real. So I this is why I like bear markets this is why i like the winters we find out what's real yeah and we keep on building yeah absolutely thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the crypto market watch as ever you can find us on our socials all the links are in the show notes we would love you to give us a review of the show wherever you pick up your podcasts and We'd also like you to come join into the conversation, come join the Darren Telegram, come talk to us on Twitter. We're available on our own tools as well. So you can find us in our dApps on Influence specifically, where you can come and give suggestions for shows that you want to see happen, conversations you want to see, guests you want to see, basically anything. We look forward to speaking to you soon. So once again, appreciate your time. Nick, have a great weekend. Thanks, mate. See you later. Cheers. Bye. We'll